Vincent van Gogh was 35 years old when he cut off his left ear just before Christmas, 1888. It was the beginning of a period of uncertainty. Several severe crises and attacks followed, but it remained unclear what exactly Vincent was suffering from, yet it had a serious impact on his life. Hello everyone, welcome back to Broken Artists with your hosts Isabel, Owen, Jace, and Olivia. Hi. Hey. Hi. Today we are looking into the life of Vincent van Gogh. Vincent dreamed of establishing an artist community at his house in Arles in the south of France. He invited various artists to join him. Paul Gauguin was ultimately the only artist to take up Vincent's offer. Vincent was delighted that Paul agreed to travel south. The two artists worked closely together for a while, but their discussions became increasingly heated. They had different ideas about art. Tensions rose high. Vincent was worried that Gauguin would leave. His dream of an artist community would then fall to pieces. After a furious row, Vincent got very confused. In a fit of madness, he cut off his ear. He ended up in the hospital. The ear incident was the result of Vincent's first major mental breakdown. More of these attacks would follow. After the incident with his ear, Vincent got better, but unfortunately, his situation soon deteriorated again. More crises and hospitalizations followed. During the attacks, Vincent was utterly confused and had no idea what he was saying or doing. This affected not only him, but the people around him. Vincent recovered, eventually, making a compulsory admission to the psychiatric hospital unnecessary, but he knew things couldn't go on like this. Vincent wanted to stay in Arles, but no longer dared to live on his own. In May 1889, he voluntarily had himself admitted to the St. Paul de Mosley Psychiatric Hospital in Saint-Rémy. Initially, the structure and rhythm of the life at the psychiatric hospital calmed Vincent down. He used another cell as his studio, and when he felt well enough, he was allowed to work outside the hospital. Vincent's studio overlooked the garden of the institution. He often worked there, producing the most beautiful drawings and paintings. Sometimes he painted the garden as a whole. Sometimes he created close-ups of flowers, plants, and all kinds of small creatures he found there. Painting was the best remedy for his psychiatric disorder. Doing nothing was unbearable for Vincent. During the first few months at the hospital, Vincent did not suffer any new crises, increasing his hopes for recovery. But in July, things went badly wrong again. He was painting a quarry when he felt a new attack coming on. More crises followed. The return of his condition made Vincent fearful and insecure. His hopes for a full recovery were dashed. Quote, For many days, I've been absolutely distraught, and it's to be presumed that these crises will recur in the future. It is abominable. The months that followed were marked by alternating periods of crises, recovery, and health. Vincent had little or no hope of ever getting better, but still longed to paint. Vincent began to feel increasingly trapped at the psychiatric hospital and wanted to leave as soon as possible. After a year, in May 1890, he left for Auvers in northern France. There, he was closer to Theo, who lived in Paris. Dr. Gachette from Auvers was asked to take care of him. Vincent found it difficult to deal with the uncertainty about his future and illness. He felt lonely and depressed. Nevertheless, he was exceptionally productive in Auvers. Within a period of 70 days, he produced some 75 paintings and over a hundred sketches and drawings of the picturesque village and vast cornfields and forests surrounding it. Nature gave him comfort and strength, and despite the uncertainty about his future, Vincent continued to believe in the healing power of painting. Vincent spent the final months of his life in Auvers-Chevoise, 
an artist's village near Paris. He made new friends and threw himself into painting. Yet after a visit to Theo, his brother, Vincent grew very concerned about his financial future. This uncertainty became too much to bear on top of his illness. Vincent ended his life in 1890. On July 27th of that year, he walked into a wheat field and shot himself in the chest with a pistol. The wounded artist staggered back to his room at the house. Theo rushed from Paris to Averis and was present when his brother died of his injuries on July 29th. Vincent was buried at Averis on July 30th, 1890. Sourced from the Van Gogh Museum. Okay, that was significantly more tragic than I've ever heard. I think it might be one of the significantly darker episodes that we've discussed. Um, I knew he like had all of this in his past, but I mean, it's crazy to this extent. Um, the question that's just on my mind is something a little more positive. How did he become famous like at first? Yeah, so during his life, he wasn't very commercially successful. He sold very few paintings, not really enough to make a living on. And a few weeks after Vincent died, his brother Theo created an exhibition for his work. And Theo actually died about six months after his brother. But then the paintings belonged to Theo's wife, Jo. And after years, years after both Theo and Vincent died, she wanted to get Vincent's work in more museums and raise awareness about it. So she started loaning the paintings to museums all around the world, and people actually started to buy the paintings. Then several more years passed and Joe published some of Vincent's letters to Theo and she died in 1925 and then the paintings were passed on to her son who was also named Vincent and over time people saw the paintings more and more in museums so Van Gogh got even more famous and in 1962 Joe's son Vincent worked with the state of the Netherlands to transfer the collection to the Vincent Van Gogh Foundation and then the museum was officially founded a few years later so now more than 2 million people actually actually visit that museum every year. Wow, that's crazy. So he was definitely like unappreciated in his time. Definitely. I think pretty similar story to a lot of famous artists. Yeah. More just later generations that kind of viewed his work. Right. Yeah, I think his whole life story and how interesting and tragic it is is what makes a lot of people attracted and interested in mm -hmm. his work. And I actually have a quote from van gogh about him becoming famous oh so he said quote i can do nothing about it if my paintings don't sell the day will come though when people will see that they're worth more than the cost of the paint and my substance very meager in fact that we put into them so that was in a letter from vincent to theo in 1888 wow. so he kind of recognized that even if people didn't appreciate his work then he believed they would in the future that's wonderful so his dream did come true to yeah extent. good so it seems like you did a lot of research on Vincent van Gogh. Did you happen to develop uh, a favorite painting, maybe? Yes, I think, yeah, I looked at a lot of paintings while I was researching him and his life. And the one that I think is my favorite would be, it's called Portrait of Pierre Ten Guy. And this was, this was the last uh, in a set of three paintings of a man named Julian Ten Guy. And he was a paint supplier and art dealer. So Vincent painted three different versions of him. And this last one is my favorite. I really like the style of it and how in the background you can see so many different styles and incorporates Japanese impressionists and some more. So I think that would definitely Very be my good. favorite one I've seen. I will say I love um, just like his cloud work. 
Um, I'm a big fan of the way he paints clouds. If anyone is, I like. His, yeah, his art style is really interesting. Yeah. Like, very recognizable. Very trippy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the really big brush strokes that people can tell his art a lot. If you see in most of his oh, paintings, 100%. you have very visible brush strokes. Definitely. All the mini brush strokes, and they all like, combine. Yeah, it's almost like a little like pixel art now. Mm-hmm. How it's like a bunch of little yeah. pieces that come together to make an actual what, thing. What is the terminology for that? Is that or is it just a impressionist style? I forget. Yes, we definitely so, learned about this in art history. <laughs> so he's definitely famous for his brushstrokes like that, and you can see it in a lot of his paintings. And I think the more technical term for this type of art would be post-impressionism. Post-impressionism, which mm-hmm. is basically at a time or the group of artists who used a lot of bold colors and symbolic images to express emotions mm-hmm. so i knew vincent van gogh had like a lot of mental issues and with his ear and all um but I, what specific mental like diseases or issues did he have like i i never heard of exactly what he suffered from right so it was never completely diagnosed when he was alive but the general consensus today is that one of the illnesses that might have been most relevant and causing a variety of issues in his life was mm-hmm. bipolar disorder. Yeah. And of course, since he's not alive, you can't 100% verify, but a lot of doctors nowadays have theorized mm-hmm. that's the most common one he might have had. And mm-hmm. uh, some other issues, he had some seizures, so he might have had some forms of epilepsy and other d- depression related illnesses. But wow. bipolar disorder is really the one that's generally agreed that affected his life the most. I mean, like seizures back then were largely stigmatized in the late 1800s, and there wasn't a lot of treatment for that, so that could also lead to spiraling. Just because definitely, you know, just all of it yeah. combined Projection together. From the public, yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. So, just how like prolific of an artist was he? Did he have how many paintings in his life? Right. I did only recognize. I only recognize a few, to be totally honest with you all. Mm-hmm. So he definitely created a lot of pieces in his lifetime. About 2,100 pieces of art is generally the number that people have come up with. And about 860 of those were oil paintings. So a pretty significant amount, his famous style of oil paintings. But then, of course, there's lots of other sketches and drawings. And I'm sure lots of other lost work that he destroyed throughout, painted over. But even then, 2,100 is still a lot of pieces. I mean, this is all he did all day. Like, right, right. You know? with his mental illness, that was really the thing that helped him cope with it he and just right. live a normal life to but the extent he could. Oil paintings, though, can be really expensive to produce. And right. those actually take a while Yeah, they to take do. a very yeah. long time. So it's just impressive he made that 75 about paintings in that short yeah. period of time yeah, when he was at the insane. house. Okay, so I know he emphasized like not the importance of his work being appreciated, but he also, you know, was definitely aware that there's money required. So how much money was he making for these pieces, do you know, or how much did they wind up selling for? He really didn't make much at all during his lifetime. He sold very few pieces. It was not like he was making a living off of it. But of course, nowadays they sell for a lot. I believe the most expensive was a portrait of his doctor, Dr. Gachette, and that sold for $82.5 million. So, of course, you can, you know, argue the reasons for purchasing it, but there's lots of different paintings of his that have sold for very high prices. Another portrait of Joseph Rowland sold for $58 million. Right. A portrait of just some flowers called 
irises sold for 53 almost 54 million wow. that's amazing so, and that's only you know three of his 860 those are some of the most right. expensive but there's many more over 800 more you know uh-huh. that have sold wow. for millions that's so crazy. why why is his work like so appreciated now and it, and it wasn't as much in his day you know i think nowadays when people have heard the whole story of his life how mm-hmm. tragic and interesting it is it just helps them appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. You know, back in his day, he was, you know, sort of, people would call him, you know, just another crazy guy painting. Right. But now people look at his art, and of course his art is very well done. He has a unique right. style. So I think that combined with people just being interested in his life have driven up the value. Well, now we also have, we have context, right, to see, like, historically how, like, kind of groundbreaking his stuff was mm-hmm. now that we're looking back on it. Right. Also, honestly, like, it's the dude who cut off his own yes, ear. Yes, of course. Yeah. That adds like, to the fame. Like, yeah. that's how you're going to enter into his, like, art, and then you see his art, and it's honestly, in my opinion, I've I've seen a lot of artists that, you know, also come from, like, darker backgrounds, I guess you could say, and their work isn't, it, it doesn't make their work great. It's just, this gets you in the door, and then I think he truly had a great talent for it, so. Definitely. Kind of a foolish connection, but... um. Mike Tyson was definitely a, a <laughs> prominent fighter. And he yeah. was a strong fighter, but I think his popularity and like his fame came from when he took the that underdog. guy's ear off. Right? Yeah. Oh, you know? Do you not remember? Did you not hear no, about that? Girl. I forget who the. I who, feel like I, that sounds familiar to me. Yeah, that's he, definitely he how he got his reputation during the fight. Yeah, yeah. And now he's in the wax museum. So. Now he's in the wax yeah. museum. So never know. Just mess with your ears. Just <laughs> go find someone. I guess. Just get the chompers out. Just... <laughs> Sorry, Combo. you guys. That's what my That's friends all call teeth the chompers. Please. <laughs> thing. The chompers. That was good. The chompers. Okay, I have a question. Who, has anyone here gone to the Van Gogh immersive experience? I did, actually. I did over the summer. Oh, wait. That was the, oh, no, I didn't go to that. Oh, me neither. Yeah. I was in the I thought I did, before. but I did not go to that. That's unfortunate. Tell me a little about it. It was cool. It was actually, I'm not going to lie, it was a bit underwhelming. What did I you heard think, about Owen? That. So, it was educational. I, it was. Right. I was sort of dragged along with my parents and some no. family. But I think, do you remember the big room with all the projections? That was the, the one thing that was like, uh, pretty enjoyable. In yes, opinion. I like that part. Like, it showed a lot of his different styles and sort of how they evolved throughout the mm-hmm. years. But it was definitely an interesting experience. I definitely learned some of the facts I've talked about today there when mm-hmm. I was reading some of the posters about him. Yeah, but for me, it was just like, I, I don't know. I had like come out of AP Art History and I had just like just learned about him. So I was just rereading like his life facts. It was just like nothing. Nothing new for nothing you. Nothing new. That makes I sense. Mean, there were some cool exhibit setups, but nothing it was a little bit underwhelming, yeah. Dude, I wish I went to the um to the Van Gogh experience because I saw it all over like people's stories and Instagram, it looked really yeah. cool. It looked really fun. I don't know. Kinda wish I went. All right. Well, do any of you have any other last questions or thoughts? I'm pretty much yeah, not at the I'm moment. far more educated than yeah, I was when definitely. I walked in here. Me too. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for having us as always. Thank you. <laughs>